Hey, everybody. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership, you know what, to the next level. And we're always wanting to grow and be better at who we are, be a good steward of what God's called us to do. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president of innovation. And wow, we're excited today for our guest, uh, Sean and Jill Johnson. Sean and Jill serve as pastors of Red Rocks Church, a multi-site church located in Texas, Colorado, and Belgium, right? That's right. Also Mm -hmm. overseas. So since its humble beginning in 2005, Red Rocks has grown to include nine different campuses, has been featured in Outreach Magazine's fastest growing churches and largest participating churches. Sean and Jill just uh, delighted to have both of you here you. and being a part of, of uh, this podcast. And uh, and your son's here. He attends Southeastern yep. University. And we're grateful to, to have him here. But I know you're passionate about helping people find life, the life-changing message of Christ and mm-hmm. what it means to know him and have personal relationship. You're blessed with three children, Ethan, uh, Austin, and Ashton. It's so great that we can have this chance to talk with you today. So thank you so well, much. Thank you for inviting us to be here. Yeah, thanks for having it's us. An honor. I want to open up our, our, our conversation and kind of talk about your journey and your ministry uh, and, and, you know, what it's like to be at Red Rocks Church. Tell us what it's been like to support each other as leaders, how you've strengthened um, your vision for what God has called you to do at Red Rocks. And yeah, just want to hear a little bit about it. How far back do you want us to go? As far as you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about like when the church got started? Yeah. What yeah. We yeah. Let's just hear the story from the beginning. Sure. You want me to yeah. start Before it out? Started. Um, so we started with about 12 people in the back of a, uh, we call it a, our creepy theme park. Wow. There was an old, nearly abandoned theme park and there was a room in the back corner of it that was so gross that they said, if you will empty out the trash, paint it and put in carpet, you can have it for free for a year. And so our team was like, we found our church. Found the deal. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so we started in this theme park. And every week when people would come, we would apolo- I would apologize to them. I'm so sorry this is where our church is. I swear one day we'll be out of here. <laughs> and you know what? God taught us so many lessons um, in that theme park. We were there for 10 years. And by the time we left, we were actually trying to buy the whole thing. We loved it wow. so much. Wow. And so it it, it took us a few years to finally go, hey, what if we quit complaining about what we wish we had? And let's just go be grateful for and maximize what we do have. So we just started falling in love with that theme park. And we were there for 10 years. Um, As we started growing, um, we thought we should do what most churches do, which is, I guess, we go raise a bunch of money and build a big building. And it was about that time that we met some people from Pastor Craig Rochelle's team at Life Church. And they really uh, just sort of encouraged us to think differently. They said, hey, listen, you guys do things cheap. You're scrappy. What if you kept, kept doing that? Yeah. And don't go build multi-million dollar buildings. And so we started doing multiple locations at that point. So we've been doing multiple locations for probably, what do you think, babe, seven or eight years? Yeah. It, around 2010, I believe mm. we started that. Oh, gosh. So a while. Yeah. 23? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going fast. 8, 10, 23. 20 so years, yeah. three months. Yeah. Yeah. I never know. Yeah. It's, going fast. it's good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And, and then, you know, 2019 was a huge sort of turn for us as a family and us as a church, because that's, that's when I started really struggling with anxiety mm-hmm. and uh, ended up having to take several months off work. Wasn't sure I was ever going to come back. Uh, went to several weeks of inpatient counseling for that. 
Um, and, and the church just rallied around us. And when I came back at the beginning of 2020, I just, you know, I said, hey, I told him everything that had happened. And I said, hey, I'm broken and I want to be the leader of this church. Sure. And if you'll have a broken mm, leader, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, what I had to learn the hard way was the truth is we're all broken. Yes. Right. Yeah. God only uses broken that's leaders because right. what else? That's right. What other, what, other, what other kinds are there? And so that's been an interesting journey for us as a family and us as a church. Um, and then, as you know, as everybody knows, we all been through this crazy thing called yeah. COVID. Yes. And now we, like every other probably industry in the world, are re-examining how we do what we do. Right. Um, how do we reach people? How do we influence people? And it, it's, it looks different for everybody, yeah. and it does for us as well. Yeah. And so we're chasing that down now, like everybody. Yeah. Wow, so, great. Jill, how's it, how has it been for you supporting the ministry, being part of the team? I mean, what we love about you guys is you guys are such a team in everything that you're doing. How has that been to be part of that journey and then even kind of going through that struggles in your side? That's a great question. Well, so it's funny because when we started back, so our, we had our very first Red Rocks Church service back in 2005. And at the time, while I was excited, it took me a while to get there because while Sean is a risk taker, this is what we have to do. I feel it strongly in my heart. I've been praying about this. This is where we need to go. I'm much more of a, oh, I just want to play it safe. Yeah. I like to be comfortable, probably like <coughs> most people like to mm -hmm. be, you know, feel that safety and that comfort. So for me, while I said, yes, I'm here, I'm on board, I cannot wait to start a church, I cannot wait to build what God has you know, been pressing upon your heart, Sean, to build, I was much more reluctant yeah. in the fact that I just, I, I was afraid, I was afraid. And so I think, though, probably the best thing I did at that time was to say, well, this is scary. However, I knew, I knew God was calling us while I, I did not hear God's voice say, you go do this. I had been doing relationship long enough with Jesus to know, no, this is the direction he's moving us. And so I, I went and moved with our family and just said, well, I'm going to do it afraid. Mm -hmm. And and I even, a lot of times too, I obeyed God with a bad attitude, mm. but that's where I can just look back now and say, well, yeah, the Lord thankfully is so patient, so kind. He's worked on that attitude along the way. And so, so yes, yeah, so I have, I kind of at the time obeyed with a bad attitude, but then said, no, Lord, here I am. This is where I want to always be doing what you've called us to do and obedient. And so my best way of supporting has just been, well, I am going to commit to prioritizing just that relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. and staying there in that place. Because for me, I have found that's the safest place is to just do my best to keep my relationship with Jesus the priority mm -hmm. in my life. And... So that's been, I think, my best form of support as yeah. well. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know, sit and cry if I mm. need to, if it's feeling overwhelming and hard, or I'm just going to cry out to the name of Jesus when I can and, and, and watch God sustain us, sustain our church. And so. 
Yeah. Yeah. So great. As both of you are aware, ministry, um, I mean, it can be so, you know, life-giving in, in every way, but it also comes with its challenges, uh, trying to balance leadership, trying to balance schedules, trying to balance preaching and, and family. What has been the most difficult uh, part about growing your ministry? And how did you break through some of those challenges and barriers to kind of overcome all of that and, and bring balance? Man, great question. Um, gosh, I feel like we can make a list. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for us was what I referred to in 2019. Yeah. Um, the, and the irony is the church had never been better. Mm. Uh, from the outside looking in, we'd never been better. Mm. Um, and I was falling apart on the inside. And the hardest thing for me was as a leader, I thought, well, I can't let anybody know how bad I'm sure. struggling because then they won't, they won't follow me. Yeah. And then what kind of a leader am I? And then you start playing the mind games of maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be a leader. Maybe I shouldn't be a pastor. Yeah. Maybe I'm a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that was probably the hardest thing that we have had to walk through was uh, my battle with anxiety and depression and her being amazing and helping me through it and then re-engaging with the church. And, and, you know, Jill, there's, I feel like in so many times in marriages, like in our marriages, there's been, in, in my marriage, there's been so many times where life is stressful. How did you know that this was more than just like a stressful season? Like at what point did you realize, okay, this is something bigger. This is a, this is a bigger issue than just like, oh, we're just kind of having a tough time. Well, I started, so since I had known and met Sean, even before we got married, I saw him battle, struggle with anxiety. Mm. And on occasion, he would have a very random panic attack just out of nowhere. But again, it was very infrequent. Mm -hmm. And it was very infrequent for several years, even into our marriage. But as the church started to grow, I did notice, oh, as the church grows and as the pressures become bigger. I don't know that, you know, when your church is small, there's pressure. Mm -hmm. Every step of the way, there's different pressures. But I just noticed that as the pressures became more and more in terms of leading, anxiety attacks were happening, happening a little more frequently. And so finally, then in 2019, I realized, well, he's these panic attacks for no reason, no seeming reason at all, they are coming on quicker and quicker and more frequently. And mm. I remember thinking, there's no way he can sustain this lifestyle. Like he cannot continue to lead and preach, teach, go to our boys' games, do regular life. He cannot continue in this way. It's just not sustainable to continue because, the again, the panic attacks mm. were coming so frequently and so often. And so for me, though, watching that, knowing this is not sustainable, this is not a sustainable life, mm -hmm. I just began to pray, God, help yeah. on my own. Yeah. And without even talking to him about it, it was, uh, God, we need help. I don't know what we need exactly. I don't know what Sean needs, but I know this can't continue. He cannot continue to lead our family, lead our church if this is his life on the daily where he is suffering yeah. so intensely all the time. Yeah. So. Was there, as you guys look back at that whole situation, this is open for both of you, was there things that you feel like you could have done 
conversations you wish you would have had sooner leading up to that thing that maybe would have had a different outcome? And what advice would you give to people that may be feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at these same red flags? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things is I needed to stop hiding it. Mm -hmm. um, I thought because I was a leader and I lead a church, you know, and, and pastors, I think sometimes we put these weird pressures on ourselves, like we're just supposed to not deal with certain things. Mm -hmm. right. And so I was super embarrassed that that was my struggle. I told, here's, here's what we do. Cause if you're a leader and you have a certain struggles, you can't hide them all together because you're, you're you kind of live in a, in a fishbowl, right? So right. people know. So what I would do is I would, I would tell my family and I would tell the guys close to me at work. I had a little, little anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got a little depression. Yeah. You know, tough week. Um, nobody knew the depths of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, because nobody knew the depths of it, nobody could fight with me, yeah. either spiritually or wow. physically, right? And so it's like that verse in Ecclesiastes where he says, you know, pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by people, but no one knew to help me up because I was hiding the depths of it. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of healing, was mm -hmm. honestly telling her first, like, babe, it's bad, mm -hmm. and it's way worse than I've let you know. And then being honest with the guys I work with, you don't have to tell the world, but you need to have somebody that right. you can tell. Um, and then honestly, uh, what I didn't see coming was, I also thought everything I felt as a leader and why I wanted to hide these dysfunctions, mm -hmm. I also felt as a father, I wanted to hide these wow. things because, yeah. you know, as a dad, we, we, we kind of want, we want to be our boy's hero. Yeah. We want them to look at us like a superhero. Right. And I thought, I, I can't let my boys know that sometimes I think about taking my own life. Mm. I can't let my boys know I'm that dysfunctional. Wow. Um, and when I finally got desperate enough to get help and to start being honest, we sat down the boys and I, and I started crying and I was like, guys, I think I need to go to like some inpatient counseling. Mm. It's going to be several weeks. I'm going to miss some of your games. And I'll never forget. Ethan looked at me and he goes, dad, we've watched you struggle with anxiety our whole life. Mm. Go get help. Wow. Mm. So what I thought I was hiding from them, wow. I wasn't, yeah. they knew. And so I was suffering silently and I didn't need to. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think every leader, every parent, everybody in charge of anything, you sort of feel like I'm not allowed to be broken in certain ways. And if yeah. I am, I got to hide it. And man, that hiding can kill you. Wow. You know, nobody tries to isolate themselves, but people often get so busy, they forget to connect with others in a community. Mm -hmm. um, what are some practical ways that, um, you know, people can keep themselves plugged into a community, no matter how crazy life does mm -hmm. come at you? I think, I think you just have to decide, mm. right? Like, um, so one of the things I did as a result of all that stuff we were just talking about is I called a friend and I knew some guys that were meeting a couple times a month as like a men's small group. And it was super humbling to call and go, hey, I know I'm a pastor of a church, but can I join your join group? group? Like, mm -hmm. you just have to, you kind of got to make it happen, um, yeah. take initiative. And I did. And um, none of them work at a church, which is awesome, because I can go to small group and tell them I don't like my job today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, uh. But they are, every single one of them runs organizations of some sort. Uh, there's guys who run financial organizations. Mm. There's one guy who runs in a mixed martial arts team. There's one guy who runs a laser company, like crazy oh. things. They're all crazy busy. But the first thing they told me when I got in the group was the one thing we don't do is miss. Mm -hmm. So like 
coach will have literally have a fight in like Abu Dhabi and get straight off of a 18, 20 hour trip and drive straight to small group. Like we don't miss. Mm -hmm. And so we've just decided we're too busy and we got too much going on not to force ourselves to be in community. It's too important. That's good. Wow. You, um, you've written a book. Yes, sir. And and a powerful book, uh, attacking anxiety and you share, you're very authentic and, and you share your, your mental journey while also giving advice, how to fight back. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think, uh, why do you both think, and I want to hear from both of you, it's so important to talk about mental health in the church because you don't hear a lot about it Mm -hmm. in the church. What can the church do differently to fight back on this issue? That's a great question. I think what we can do to fight back is first of all, find and again, it goes back to find a way to get into community. Find you, know, you don't need a ton of friends. We live in a time where we feel like we need all the followers. You don't need a ton. You need one good friend who's also in relationship with Jesus and doing their best to pursue that relationship with Jesus. You find one friend, get in community, and you just start to be honest and say, hey, this is hard for me right now. And one of the things I love that kind of the Lord has shown me throughout scripture in my own time, that he is our hiding place, but the enemy offers the counterfeit to that. He also has a hiding place for us, but it's this weird to hide, hide the shame, hide the hard things. So I think it's if we fight back by a finding someone we can fight with that is also in relationship with Jesus and being honest and saying, hey, this is hard for me. How, how are you fighting? What are you doing? Pray together. Praying together is huge and powerful. I think in the church also for us to say, hey, this is real. This struggle with mental health, anxiety, depression, it's real. And you're not a bad Christian if you can't mm-hmm. overcome it by just praying ABCXYZ or praying all of these scriptures. Sometimes it's harder to fight. And I don't know that we know why it's so hard to fight or so long to fight it sometimes. Sometimes I think it takes longer to fight through something because, again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but principalities of darkness. And so that it's it's a fight. But I think to to be able for church leaders to say, hey, I see you struggle. I struggle too if if they do in fact mm-hmm. struggle. You're not a bad Christian. You haven't done something wrong. Yeah. You're not over this because something's wrong with you or you're fighting wrong. It's just it it is a fight. It takes time sometimes. And so we just need to patiently walk through it, be there for one another and and fight together yeah. in prayer, in mm-hmm. support and and yeah, let each other know you're not alone. And we, we can take one day at a time. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes it's like, it's like running a marathon. It just takes time, but that's the beauty of God's given us the grace for today. Mm-hmm. Right. So you fight today with, you know, the one or two you have in your life. And then tomorrow, trust that God's grace will be sufficient for that day too. Yeah. So. Oh, so and, good. and this may be a little bit of a bunny trail, but 
I think you're speaking to why it's so powerful about why it matters who you marry, right? And we have so mm. many students that listen to this, right? They're in that phase. They're trying to figure out who they're going to be connected to and stuff. And as I hear your story, right, like you don't you don't know what life is going to throw right. at you, that, mm. but you can decide who you're going to go through those things with. What advice would you give to people in that season right now as they're evaluating, as they're thinking about how do they prepare themselves and really kind of pick the right life partner for this? Absolutely. I, I would say this. If you are a believer in Jesus... Um, I always tell, I tell the young adults and students at, at our church, don't settle for anything less than sold out for Jesus. Yes. Yes. Um, too many times I did this growing up. My mom was a believer, but I really wasn't. And she'd always say, you know, um, honey, is she a Christian? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they've been to church. They, I think yeah. they go to that. You don't want, I've been to church. You want, I'm sold out for Jesus. Because what you don't know is all the things you're going to go through. Mm -hmm. And what you don't know is all the things that God might have for you that you only get to experience if your spouse is also sold out for Jesus and Mm -hmm. willing to go there with you. So 18 years ago, I asked my pregnant wife if we could sell our brand new home that we spent a year and a half building quit our jobs, lose our health insurance, and move to a city with no job, no money, and no family. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even have a, we didn't have a place to live. If she's not sold out for Jesus, I don't ever move to Denver. We don't get to be a part of Red Rocks mm-hmm. Church. I'm not sitting here with you guys today. Who I married changed the whole Everything game out. for me. Yeah. And then I never knew I was going to struggle with anxiety. Yeah. And I had a prayer warrior. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like who you marry is so key. And you know, there's all the things that you're looking for, but I just put at the top of that list, I want sold out for Jesus because you don't know what's coming, good mm-hmm. and bad, right. mm-hmm. and you want sold out for Jesus for exactly. both. Right. right. That is so good. Yeah. 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 You know, I, yeah. And I'm thankful for, for Karen, my wife. In fact, I call her Jehovah's nudge. She's, oh, yeah. She nudges yeah. me, yeah. you awesome. know, making sure I need, I'm yeah. going where I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that is so powerful. So yeah, thank yeah. you for sharing that. You know, a lot of leaders, um, you know, in the church especially can struggle with all kinds of issues. Right. One, one issue, another issue I think, uh, is, is pride. And, and mm-hmm. one of the topics I like to talk about a lot in terms of leadership is the subject of humility Mm -hmm. and how important that is. A healthy dose of of humility always ensures that leaders do don't become, you know, prideful and look at what we've done and what we've accomplished, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of what God has done through you and with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean, how have you been able to steward and maintain this throughout your leadership in terms of that humility. And, and, and I get that every time I'm around you, you, you have such a, a spirit of humility. And how, how, what, what do you do to make sure that stays strong and healthy? Well, thank you for saying that. Um, gosh, such a good question. I don't know. Um, I think for me, I've always just been so aware of where God has brought me mm. that it's like, how could I possibly try and go check me out? Yeah, Look what yeah. I've done. I'm not that good at yeah. anything. And apart from God, I was 24 years old and sitting at a table ready to take my own life. Mm. And so I think I've always just sort of had this like, who am I kidding? Um, and in a weird way, um, I think my own insecurities have played into that um, because I've always wanted to be humble But sometimes what I do is play small, and that doesn't honor God. I think he wants you to play to the fullness of your potential, but give him the glory along the way. And sometimes in an effort to be humble, 
I've played small to who God's created me to yeah. be, and so that's a battle for me. Yeah. Um, but I just um, and I and I didn't grow up playing any individual sports. Everything I played was team sports growing up, and I've just always I want to lose as a team or win, win as, as a team. A team. I don't like winning by myself. Yeah. And so um, I love to win with a team, and I do love to point people to God, and I think that's why He uses really jacked up people like me <laughs> because. If you know me or my story and you see anything good come out of it, you go, yeah, that had to be God. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. That's and, so good. And with that, you know, it seems like it seems like you guys are so eager to take that first step, right? And I think that's one of the things that so many people struggle with when they feel like God's calling them on doing different things and, and stuff like that. And it really does take a level of humility to be like, you know what, I'm going to sell my house, get everything, step out into yeah. that way. What? How would you encourage people that are feeling, they're listening to this podcast right now and they're feeling like maybe God's been telling them to step out, do something different, and they're just, something's holding them back. How can they get mm. over that wall? You know, I heard, Jill said it earlier in this podcast, I actually heard Joyce Meyer say this 20 years ago, um, but she talked about how, you know, so many times the Bible says, fear not. And then it was interesting. She said, do you think when God told Joshua that you're about to cross the Jordan River, right? It was Joshua, right? Yes. Gosh, I am, it's been a long day. Yeah. Like, was it yeah. Joseph? Yeah. 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 Am I a pastor? I don't know. Yeah. He, says, he says, have I not commanded you? Do right. not be afraid. Do not right. be discouraged. Yeah. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, he wasn't telling him not to feel emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. He was saying, don't run away because of the emotions. Right. It's okay to feel afraid. So what Joyce Meyer said 20 years ago, and I've just never forgotten it, she said, sometimes you just have to do it afraid. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's what we've been doing ever since we got married, is trying to listen for God's voice, hoping we got it right, understanding that if we missed it, he'll course correct us anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather take a step and screw something up and let God course correct us than not take a step and go anywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's I so think, good. you know, the, when you are in a place where you said, no, my relationship with Jesus is priority. It's real. Mm -hmm. And I, my whole heart's desire is to honor, serve, obey him. God knows that posture of your heart. Mm -hmm. And so he knows that you mean well. You want to follow. He knows mm -hmm. we're human. He right. knows that at the end of the day, we yeah. are dust. Mm -hmm. And so he, I think he, again, and I, maybe this just comes from when I watch my boys who mean well try something and they're not trying because they want to be obedient or disobedient or, or mm -hmm. they, they're trying because they genuinely think, oh, no, 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 I, I, I might be able to do this. It brings me joy to watch them try. Yeah. And I feel like God's probably the same way. When he knows our heart mm -hmm. and our posture is in the right place, he's okay with our try. Right. And And... You take that step and then you just, you watch and you see what he does with it. Mm -hmm. And like Sean just said, he'll course correct if necessary, but I do think God likes to see us try. Yes. And, and again, he's, he knows we're just human at the end of the day. So. It's all about just stepping out and, yeah. and God confirms. That's yeah. It. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, we step out again. How many amazing success stories are I made? 57 mistakes. Yes. It got yeah. turned down. Michael right. Jordan didn't make the freshman team. Right. Like everything failed, failed, failed. And then it 
mm-hmm. turns into greatness. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's that, it's that try right. that yeah. gets you there. And you can point to God along the way saying, mm-hmm. oh, here's my story. Here's what I did. But here's how God, you know, opened that door or opened this new door or told me no or said yes. And so it's, it's this, you try and you point people to Jesus along the way. You point out what God's done in it and through it. Yeah. So. Love it. And the key is your heart. Yeah. 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 You'll just want to please him. And and, yeah, uh, yeah, so good. Well, we're going to move into our fire round. Thank you for taking time. This is an amazing conversation and uh, just appreciate your your honesty and transparency in in every way. Uh, But we want to ask you a few questions surrounding everything we've kind of discussed. Uh, and we want to grab a few practical uh, and applicable pieces of advice for uh, our, our listeners who uh, want to take away some uh, some uh, takeaways to, to help them with their lives. So let's begin. Uh, I think we're just going to do, what, three questions, Michael? Yep. So, mm-hmm. Michael, why don't you fire the first one? Okay. So what's the most practical thing you can do to ensure that the person that you're dating is the person that maybe you want to spend the rest of your life with. Obviously you pray, obviously you read the Bible, all that kind of stuff, but what's like a practical, tactical thing you could do? I, I like looking at 1 Corinthians 13, mm-hmm. right? It's that love chapter. Love is patient. Love yes. is gentle. Right. Love is kind. And so I like to, I would say, okay, a good start is you put that person you're interested in in the place of the word love. It's this person, not that they're perfect, not that mm-hmm. you're looking for perfect, but is this person, you know, a person of character mm. who really does want to walk out, live out love, patience, yeah. kindness, all of that, and all the fruits of the Spirit. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I love to tell students to make a list of what you want. Um, it's you don't want to go. It's that whole you don't want to go grocery shopping hungry mm-hmm. and have no clue exactly. what you're there for. Right. Because right. then you yeah. pick up everything. everything. Right. Yep. So um, we actually did this as a young adult, a college group of of students when I was in Illinois before uh, we were dating and we wrote down 10 things that we wanted in our future spouse. And at the top of my list was sold out for Jesus. And then I made this list and it's interesting. The night I proposed to her, I actually gave her that list and framed it and it's on our dresser today, uh, almost 25 years in. And so, but I just think you have to know what you're looking for or else you get caught up in emotions and a pretty smile and, oh, she just likes me. I guess I'm in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. know what you're looking for ahead of time. I think that's, just, that's really practical. Oh, that's rich. If you could give any piece of advice to our recent graduates, and we'll be having some more graduates coming up here real soon, what would that advice be? Jill? <laughs> <laughs> I would just you, cling to the word. I can remember graduating from college, and I... Just, again, it's this, I was committed to, I'm going to do my best to have a quiet time. That's time in prayer. And again, not these long drawn out prayers, but time in prayer, time in the word. And I will never forget, I would read one Psalm a day. And just when I was at this place, Lord, what do I do? I've graduated. I need a job. Where do I go? Where do I move? And I came across the scripture in Psalm 119. And so, which if you're about to graduate, Psalm 119 has, it's, long, mm. but you can spend a whole month in that chapter for different verses yeah. that just will build your trust and ability to trust God that, okay, if I do my best to just stay close to him, he mm. will prepare what's next. He'll move me in the right direction. Yeah. So Love it. Psalm 119. 
Love it. Last question. <clears throat> you know, we're lots of changes happening in society. Everything's going, you know, there's lots of different things happening in a bunch of different directions. If, if you could give advice to recent graduates on the one thing they need to be paying attention to right now, what's the biggest thing they need to be preparing themselves for, thinking about, guarding themselves, learning more about, what would it be? Um, I think, and this, I guess it wouldn't necessarily just pertain to someone who's, it's, but yeah. it seems like We've never had more virtual friends, virtual followers, gotten virtual likes. Mm. We've never been through a pandemic that has physically isolated us from people. And now what I've seen is um, we, we as just people have gotten in new habits and a lot of our new habits cause us to be more isolated than we were four years ago. Mm. And we just weren't created to live on our own. We were created to yeah. pursue God with the people right. of God. And we need that. And you can have 1 million followers and quote Instagram, likes, friends, Facebook, whatever. We need real relationships in our life that will really push us closer to God and really battle for us when we need it. Right. And you can't do that from a screen. Yeah. 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 Oh, so yes. good. Genuine relationships yeah. are key. Yeah. That's important. Well, Sean and Jill, thank you both for joining us today mm -hmm. and having this con conversation. I, again, I always, anytime I can hang around you, I just pick up, you, you know, you're tremendous. First of all, you, you, you are people who truly, genuinely love people, and you can mm -hmm. sense that and feel that. And just your honesty and transparency. I mean, it's so, it's it's refreshing, and thank you for that. And you've raised a great son, who uh, Ethan, who's been here now. What is this? His second year, third second, second year, second year. Second year. Mm -hmm. And just to see his life and how God's using him, and man, God's going to open great doors, and mm -hmm. and uh, He has an anointing on him, and it's mm -hmm. just wonderful to see that. Thank well, He you know loves why. you, Doctor yes, Engel, and He loves this yes, school. So thank you for yeah. everything you've done. Oh, yeah. Well, you're welcome. Well, I, I'm grateful that you've provided some incredible insight today. And if you want to stay up to date with Sean and Jill, you can follow them on Instagram at Sean Johnson RRC RRC. Okay, yep. just want to make sure that one's yep. 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 okay. Yeah, and then at Jill Johnson 03 right. and then at, and at Twitter, which Twitter is at Sean Johnson RRC. Yep. Am I correct? Yep. I think so. Is there any other, <laughs> any other ways that? Yeah. No. Where can uh, they get the book? Uh, attackinganxietybook.com mm -hmm. has all kinds of info, but honestly, anywhere you buy books, Amazon's easy, anything. Love it. Yeah, Great. Love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you guys Thanks for being for on the show. Us. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yeah. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop on to there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.